Welcome to Lived In, a podcast series by Hemby Home Company. Lived In is all about interior styling for the ordinary home. If you live in an ordinary house on an average street and you love design, this podcast is for you. Many of us long to infuse the places in which we dwell with both style and livability, but we also have to stick to realistic budgets. What does it look like to live in a space that transitions with you as life does? How do you build equity while creating a space that truly feels like home? And what can you do to make a space yours when it doesn't belong to you? Join me, Femi, a realtor, content manager, and interior advisor, and let's find out. Hi guys, welcome back. I so enjoyed the last episode with Laura, and it sounds like some of you enjoyed that too, which is great. Um, Last week was a little rough for me on a personal level. I had four wisdom teeth pulled. Um, all within the space of an hour on the same day. Really, really painful. And it took me out, understandably, I think. Um, I did not have any energy and it was quite challenging to talk for the first couple of days. So I'm really sorry if the sound was a little quiet last week. I really wanted to get the episode out and I was barely, barely making it work. So um, thank you for your patience with me. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. Today, it is just me and we are talking all about what I call modest makeovers. Uh, I had initially hoped to get into the extremely modest makeover that we did of our primary bathroom, specifically getting into the mistakes that I made during that modest makeover. Um, I wish that you could insert emojis because I would insert the face palm emoji here. Um, But anyway, as I was thinking through explaining kind of this whole concept, I realized that there's quite a lot that goes into it. And I really wanted to be able to give you the meat and not just the bones. So today we're getting into what a modest makeover is and how to execute one. What is a modest makeover? Well, a modest makeover is essentially a way for you to make changes to a space in your home without doing a full on renovation. So kind of like the HGTV show, No Demo Reno, but on an even simpler level, (laughs) I think, if executed correctly anyway. The concept of No Demo Reno, um, the designer's name is um, Jen Todrick. Uh, The concept of the show is that there is no demolition during the renovation. So she's essentially setting the challenge of how to work within the existing space. And A modest makeover is really similar, but I'd say probably even lower end. So you're spending even less money or you're definitely spending less money, at least the way I do it. So a remodel or a renovation, like let's say for a kitchen, you'd likely be replacing the flooring, changing the backsplash and the countertops and the cabinetry, all new lighting, maybe a new layout, moving walls that costs a lot of money. For a modest makeover, you aren't going for a radical transformation of the space in that same way. Instead, the goal is meaningful and valuable upgrades. So what I mean by that is changing the things that will be felt the most or give you the largest return in terms of the problem that you're trying to solve or the function that you are trying to add. This is going to transform the feel and tangible experience of the space 
maybe more than it changes the look. And this doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Now, two quick things on the subject of money before I continue. One, um, I realized that what is considered a lot of money is obviously quite relative to who you are and how you live and what you're doing. So I don't really have a magic formula to help you decide what a good amount is, although an investor might. So I might have to bring in my coworker Drew on that for an episode. But if you're doing a modest makeover, basically work with what you've got and not what you wish you had. So maybe we should do an episode on money. Let me know your thoughts. Um, the second thing to note on the subject of money is that while it is called a modest makeover, it doesn't have to have a small price tag. For me, part of the objective is the biggest return for the smallest financial investment, but that doesn't mean that it has to be really low um, cost-wise. Okay, so back to what makes a modest makeover modest. If you have watched literally any home improvement shows, you will know that prices go up when you move any of the following, plumbing, electric, walls. So to me, a modest makeover means not messing with any of these at all. Unless you are an avid DIYer, all of those, the plumbing, the electric and the walls, those all require professionals and making cuts and cuts require patching and patching requires painting and all of those drive costs up. So for me, because I'm kind of leaning into what the space is and keeping the costs as low as possible, I prefer to lean into embracing the constraints of the space that you're working with, so long as it saves you money. If it doesn't, then don't. Um, so we've talked about what a modest makeover is. After my thing of the week, we're going to go step by step through how to execute a modest makeover. My thing of the week this week is my new kitchen sink. And no, I am not crazy. Um, our old kitchen sink was the standard for America, at least the standard stainless steel builder grade double bowl. So two sides overmount sink. So that means it goes on top of the countertop. Um, I really liked the depth of the bowls, but there were a lot of items that I couldn't fully fit in the sink to wash. So that was annoying. And then I also really didn't like the double bowl look. It just feels intrusive. It doesn't feel seamless and smooth and clean. Um, so I knew I wanted quartz or granite for the sink, um, just practical reasons. It's depending, it can be less noisy or more noisy than stainless steel, um, but it's a lot easier to clean fine with heat, that kind of thing. Um, and I also knew I wanted an undermount sink because in stark contrast to the overmount sink, they just look cleaner. So the last thing um, that I knew I needed to figure out was whether we go for a single or a double bowl. And I really like the look of a single bowl sink, just the ease of washing really large items in it too is very nice. Um, but my husband really wanted a double bowl sink because he felt like it was more practical for day-to-day -day use. Um, so the sink we ended up going for is a white quartz, Karen, K-A-R-R-A-N sink, and it's a double bowl undermount sink, but it has a low bridge. The low bridge is key. So 
it, it's a massive game changer because essentially it means that you still get the clean look of a single bowl when you're looking at the countertops, but you still get the practicality of the double bowl. Um, so you can have things in two separate things in the sink at the same time without worrying about them kind of intruding on one another. But because the bridge is low, you don't see it when you look at the sink immediately and you're able to wash bigger items easily, which you couldn't do in a double bowl with a higher bridge. So it's it's like a triple win um, and it wasn't too pricey. So we'll see how it holds up, but it is an obsession and I am grateful for it every day. I actually think I'm enjoying doing the dishes more because the sink is just better. So if you care about sinks as much as I apparently do, um, I've linked to the sink in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the episode. I really hope you're enjoying this so far and finding it helpful. It's about to get quite practical, but hopefully not in an overwhelming way. Um, if you are thinking about getting started on one of the spaces in your home, I think this will be really, really helpful. So if you can take some notes or download or bookmark this episode so you can refer back to it if you need to. So let's go through the steps for a modest makeover step by step. The first step is to identify the problem. So you really have to begin with understanding why you want to make a change in your space. The why matters a lot. If you are going for a meaningful upgrade, which is part of the goal, it's really important to figure out what needs to be solved or fixed. So I think we kind of need an example to help anchor this idea a bit more. And hopefully next week we'll be talking about the primary bathroom, but I will use our downstairs bathroom as an example. It is pretty tiny. Um, like it really would have made a great powder bathroom or half bathroom, but it's really probably too small to be a full bathroom, which is what it is. I think it's about 35, I think that's right, 35 square feet. Um, and it has a large single vanity, which is too tall for young kids to reach. So we have a stool in there. And then the vanity is also really stupid <laughs> because it has no inner shelf. So you kind of open the doors and all of the stuff is just on the bottom in there and it is never organized, which is so frustrating. Um, then the sink of the vanity has, a, I don't really know how to explain the sink well, but it kind of has an outer ring and then an inner ring and then an even further inner ring before you get to the actual sink. And that's frustrating because it takes up all of the space on top and there's not really a lot of room for a soap dispenser or a place to put toothbrushes and toothpaste and that kind of thing. Um, and then aside from the vanity, again, in this very small space, um, there is a elongated toilet. Uh, don't know if you've heard of those. I had not heard of those. I didn't know they existed until I started looking for a new toilet. Um, and an elongated toilet, in case it doesn't sound obvious, is a really poor choice in a small room. So that's frustrating. And then the tub that we have is probably the best thing in there but um, it has a really funky shape. So you can't really put soaps on the side, the shelves that are kind of built into it. It's one of those um, panel kit baths. So it's all kind of prefabricated. The shelves are too shallow. So you put soap on them and it always falls off. Really annoying. So anyway, as we've looked at this whole space, 
the problem really is lack of floor space and poor storage options. So those are the two things that we are trying to solve. And for that space, the solutions that we came up with are to replace the massive vanity with a pedestal sink so that there's room for a stool underneath, um, to add a large, deep inset medicine cabinet so that there's storage for toothbrushes and hairbrushes. Um, I've actually read that lots of designers hate medicine cabinets, but personally, I think that, you know, they can be great if they're a nice kind of medicine cabinet and there are some great architects and interior designers who use them. Um, I really hope I'm getting this right, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure um, GP Schaefer, uh, he's one of my favorite architects. He works a lot with a interior designer called Reed. I'm going to butcher the last name, so I'm not going to say it. Well, I think it's Cahoy or Cohoy. I will put it in the show notes correctly. Um, he uses quite a few medicine cabinets, uh, and I think they look really good. So I think it's all about what you use. Anyway, back on task. Uh, the solutions, I've already said the vanity, instead of the vanity, a pedestal sink, instead of the mirror, a deep inset medicine cabinet, and then to replace the toilet with a smaller one, and ideally replace the tub with a shower. And this actually leads me to a very important point. Um, I guess it's a bonus point. Anyway, here's the bonus point. You will have to compromise. Like it just is going to happen. Um, with a modest makeover, you are not going to get exactly how you exactly what you want in your dream scenario. Um, in the context of our bathroom, my ideal would be to have it be a wet room. So the whole thing waterproof and tiled from the floor all the way up to the ceiling with a zero threshold shower. Um, and we didn't bother getting a quote for that because obviously that's not modest. Even when I just looked into how you do a zero threshold shower, I was like, well, this is expensive. <laughs> um, the next, well, I actually caveat, I don't like using the word expensive because I think it's probably appropriately priced. It's just a lot more than I'm willing to spend for this project. So let's put that that way. Um, so we didn't get a quote for that. And the next level down from the wet room would be to just replace the tub and get a shower. And that would cost, I think, when we last got it quoted, not including if we tiled it ourselves, not including the cost of tiles, would cost around $4,200 or $4,200. Um, not modest enough for me. The level down from that would be one of those shower inserts. So there's no need to tile, no need to do all the waterproofing. And that would be a little closer to the cost of what I would consider reasonable for a modest makeover at around 1500 on the low end, not including a shower door or a shower screen. So that is a compromise to go from, you know, ideally having a wet room to having a shower insert, <laughs> like one of those kits that you can get from Lowe's. So anyway, that's step one. And step one basically is figure out what the problem is that you're trying to solve. Step two is to commence planning and research. So this is kind of a challenging one to make a single step because the reality of it is that, I mean, really the planning has several steps. So I will attempt to break these down succinctly um, but being short and sweet is not normal for me. I am long and drawn out and way too detailed. <laughs> so, okay. The first part of planning, once you've identified what you're trying to fix or achieve is to pin, pin, pin and read, read, read. Um, do you think I should do a whole episode on this? 
I feel like there's a lot you need to do to discern what makes sense. So I'll make a note. Um, but basically after you've pinned all of your inspiration and you've done, you've ripped out all those pages, I don't actually rip pages out. That to me is like sacrilegious. I take pictures on my phone of magazine pages <laughs> and then I pin them. <laughs> um, anyway, after pinning and reading, you really need to, you really need to weed out the inspiration that doesn't make sense for your home. So if you remember episode one, um, linked in the show notes, context matters when it comes to implementing the design that you are inspired by. So you can't just copy and paste what you see. And that means that when you're deciding the direction that you're going to go in, you really need to think about how you use your space. So for example, um, a trying to think of a good example, actually, I guess if I had a, a bench in the shower in our downstairs bathroom, because I think it looks good everywhere else. The reality is in my house, it would just end up clogged with shampoos and soaps and hairbrushes, and it would just get really messy really fast. So how we use our space, it doesn't really work. We need as few available surfaces for things to be stored, but we need lots of storage space, if that makes sense. So when you've settled on your design and you have kind of weeded out the things that don't really work for your house and the way that you live, this is when you can start sourcing items and materials. And I say sourcing, not buying, because you're not actually pulling the trigger on those things yet. Um, this process can be quite intimidating um, and it can get quite intimidating quite quickly, depending on the room that you're working on in your home. So I would advise you to create a list um, you can do this in the notes app on your phone or in your email or on a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. Um, and then I would advise you to start where it feels the most obvious. So let's say you're working on your bathroom and you want a wall mounted sink, which I did side note. Um, so you add a wall mounted sink to the list, but then you need to read on the website where you're looking at that wall mounted sink you need to read the list of materials that supplied with it very carefully then you need to read the specifications list carefully so what it works together with and then you need to read the inst installation instructions really carefully um, how it's installed and all of this information matters and it matters because you need to be certain of the exact size and measurement measurements sorry of the item that you are looking at because you need to make sure that it's compatible with what you already have in your home and you need to make sure it comes with what you need in order to install it or that if it doesn't come with what you need to install it you at least know what you need to have in order to install it so this is so important i cannot um, overstate this we looked very briefly well that's not true we looked for a while at a wall mounted sink and it did not come with a p-trap i didn't know what p-trap was before i was looking at a wall mounted sink but now i know what p-trap is and i knew that it was going to show because it was a wall mounted sink and i needed it to be a certain color and to install the p-trap you need other tools so just make sure that you go down the rabbit hole you will have to go down the rabbit hole um, some quick advice for looking at items and sourcing materials one begin with looking at items that cause the least disruption to your space or items that work logistically in your space with the least inconvenience. So for example, um, if you're replacing your tub with a shower tray, make sure that the shower tray's drain location 
is the same as your existing bath's drain location. Um, number two, research your materials. They matter just as much as design, um, if not more. And if you buy poor quality, and I'm saying that intentionally because poor quality and cheap are two different things. If you buy poor quality, you will pay twice with more inconvenience. So it's better really to get good quality for a little bit more if you can. Number three, um, make sure that you look at return and shipping policies as well, because mistakes happen. Um, mistakes happen, items arrive damaged. Uh, sometimes you find something else that you like more and you need to be able to send things back if needed or get replacements um, if needed. So um, quick side note here, two companies with really great policies around returns and damaged items are Lumens and Signature Hardware. When I say that they've got great policies, I don't mean they'll take anything. I just mean they make it really easy for you to do returns. And I worked with Lumens on some damaged items and they were really good at making sure one, that the item had actually been damaged and hadn't been taken out and damaged by me um, and replacing it really quickly. So finding great companies um, with great policies is really good. Number four, you are not purchasing anything at this stage. So remember I called it sourcing. This is just research. So this step really helps you to ascertain what things actually cost and therefore get a realistic idea of what your budget needs to be in order to pull off whatever it is that you're trying to do. So you really have to get a realistic budget. And a big part of that is the items that you choose, which leads me to step three. Step three is to figure out the budget. I hope you're still hanging on with me. I know we're going through quite a bit. Um, so step three is to figure out the budget. And I mentioned that um, a big part of figuring out the budget and having a realistic budget is figuring out the items that you're going to choose. And the second part of that is understanding who will be doing the labor. <laughs> you have to be realistic about what you can do yourself and what you cannot do yourself. Um, three years ago, I realized, I think it's three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, I realized about 10 minutes into stripping a piece of wooden furniture that I am not a DIYer. I'm not. I wish I was, but I am not good at trusting the process when it comes to DIY. I am more panic than peace. <laughs> um, so I know that if I want a project to be taken care of and done really well, I am very likely outsourcing it to someone who actually knows what they're doing and knows how to trust the process. So, I mean, my husband is very good at doing things himself. Um, I think I mentioned last episode that he had built um, some furniture and some other things. And he's also really good at figuring out how things work, um, but he also has his limits. So he never wants to make cabinets. He doesn't feel qualified to install an air conditioning unit. Um, so that kind of thing. So anyway, the point is that you will likely need to get quotes on different things and you'll need to make sure that you're always getting more than one quote and go off referrals whenever possible. Referrals, referrals, referrals. So you don't get what people call cowboy builders. Um, or somebody who charges you and doesn't do the work. When you're figuring out um, what things are going to cost, this is still part of figuring out the budget, be what I call cost pessimistic. So something that has been a fairly big adult lesson for me is to not commit until you have the cash in hand. Um, I am not qualified to give financial advice. I'm not trying to give financial advice, but we live in an instant gratification society and it is incredibly easy to throw on a credit card or buy now and pay later. 
that is so risky. Do not commit to anything with your renovation until you are confident you have the money to pay for it all in one go. So don't rip out the vanity unless you have the cash for the new one. If you're doing a modest makeover in stages, kind of piecemeal style. So let's say you're like, okay, let's just replace the sink for now. And then if we have money down the road, we'll replace the tub. That's fine. Just make sure you have the money for the sink when you rip out the sink that you have. Um, But basically, you just don't want to run out of money halfway through and leave something undone because unfinished is definitely worse than ugly. Uh, Yeah. The last part of the budget part is have a retainer for things. I have watched enough shows to know that there are always surprises. And I've even in fairly recent experience had things go wrong. So plan so that you have a cash cushion if things go a little awry. Um, The amount is really totally up to you. I don't have a recommendation on it, Uh, but I'd say make the modest makeover as close to the opposite of risky as you can. All right, so you have set up what the problem is that you're trying to solve. You have done your planning and your research. You have set your budget. Now you're ready for step four and step four is to shop and it's fun. So this is when you pull the trigger, so to speak, um, when you put down the deposit for the contractor or you hit checkout online. This is the fun and exciting part, but it could also be quite intimidating if you're not used to spending money. Um, So I don't really need to explain this step, but I do have a few shopping tips. Uh, I think one, two, three, five, six, six points or six tips. Uh, The first one is if there is a major shopping holiday approaching, wait before you buy. If Labor Day is coming up, wait for Labor Day sales. Memorial Day is coming up, wait for Memorial Day sales. If Black Friday is coming up, wait for Black Friday sales. Prime Day, you understand. You you follow with me. I don't have to keep going. Um, But just wait because sometimes you'll get a really good discount and that helps you with your budget. Um, Number two, check shipping times with your retailers. Um, We recently had to order a sink. Um, We had to return a sink that we had ordered and order a new one and when I went to order the new one, it showed me that it was not ready. <laughs> it was not going to be ready for some time. Um, it didn't really say exactly how long, but in the end, what I did is just called the retailer and asked, you know, when it was going to be around and when I could make the order. So check shipping times because you really, when you're doing these things, some of them are time sensitive and some of them correspond. So, so for example, last week I mentioned that we had countertops put in in our kitchen. And when they came to put in the countertops, they needed the sink on site, they needed the faucet on site and anything that the plumber would need. So all of those things needed to be there at the same time. So shipping times matter, triple check, especially if someone else is coming to install for you. Um, Number three, most Lowe's, Home Depot's, Build with Ferguson, all of those places, most of those places ship items for free um, even if you only spend a little a little bit of money. So I really recommend shopping around to make sure you get the best price. I am quite keen on getting the best price. So even if it's a difference of $5, I might go to Home Depot versus Lowe's because I'm saving $5. Why not? Um, and also, it doesn't just save you money on the item. It saves you the tax because you're paying less tax, $5 worth less tax, if that makes sense. Um, number four sell whatever it is that you are getting rid of. So um, I will get into the bathroom episode next week, but be careful when you're taking things out. Um, If you are taking out countertops or your sink yourself, or you're taking out a light, 
to swap it out for a new one be really careful when you're doing this because if you take them out carefully they can typically be reused so you can try and sell them facebook marketplace is obviously a great place for that um or you could donate them take them to a habitat for humanity or an architectural salvage store and see if they would take them number five do not forget about Etsy when you're looking to buy things. Um, they might not always be cheaper, but they might be more unique. And sometimes it's easier to get custom things like a rug in a specific size. So it's a good tip. And the, the sixth one is measure literally everything a bunch of times. You measured it, measure it again. And don't just measure the thing that feels obvious. Measure every single part, especially like, I mean, goodness. But basically I made a mistake with measuring. So make sure that you measure everything and every part of the item that you were replacing so you can be sure that it fits. And now step five, final step. Um, and this really is just to enjoy it. Um, if you're not doing the work or you're not doing much of it, after you've paid for everything, you just get to sit back and enjoy it, which is great. And you know, that's basically how I roll because I'm, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a DIYer. That said, there are some final tips before I close out this episode for this step. Um, one of them is just when you're thinking about your timeline, don't rush it unless you really have to for external reasons like, oh, well, we have to be out of the house by such and such a time or so-and-so is coming. Try not to rush. Take your time to get things right, get the right prices, get the right items. Patience, patience, patience. Um, Next one is really to know when to stop. <laughs> this is challenging. Um, it's really easy to keep going. So we got the kitchen counters in, we're doing the backsplash. And I said to my husband, oh, I'd love under, under cabinet lighting, um, but we don't need it. And it's not gonna add that much value. So I'm just gonna leave it. We don't need it. We don't need it. I'm trying to talk myself out of it even now. Um, the next one is to design for the present and the future. So our homes are always in transition and we are too, and we can't know everything that's going to happen in the future, but we can attempt to plan for it. So if you know that you will likely have friends regularly staying over and you're going to be sharing a bathroom, maybe storage matters a little bit more in the bathroom, or if you potentially have kids in your future, when you redo your kitchen, maybe think about if you want a foot pedal force that they can use if they can't reach the tap, things like that. And then the last part of it is really just be prepared for the research to be the hardest part. And that's because of this whole context thing, how you live, what your needs are, um, that kind of thing. Because what you like visually and what you need physically don't always match. I think it's rare that they match exactly. Um, so research could take months and that's okay. That means you're probably doing it right. All right, that was a marathon. <laughs> Who knew that there was so much to discuss? Um, when I was prepping for this episode, I kind of started to realize about midway through that there was a lot that I had to cover. So I actually put it together in a guide that I think would be really helpful. And because I am not an expert, the guide is a dollar and 50 cents, one dollar and 50 cents. So not quite free, but basically free. Um, and I mean, depending on, I guess, how you guys like it, and the kind of feedback that you give. Uh, I might do more in-depth guides in the future around this topic and maybe around other topics as well. So let me know what you think. Um, I could do one for each room in the house, maybe one for rentals. I don't know. I think there could be some helpful information and I don't mind giving it away for close to very little if it helps. 
Anyway, the link to that guide is in the show notes, along with the link to my thing of the week. Am I obsessed with it? Maybe I am. (laughs) Uh, And there are also some other things um, in the show notes that I mentioned during the episode, so make sure you check those out. I am officially tired of talking, Um, so I will see you next time. And next time, I promise we will actually get to talking about the modest makeover of our primary bathroom. All right, see you next time.